Welcome to The Gathering Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. So this morning, I don't know if you noticed, we have an addition to our sanctuary. Kind of hard to miss. This is Baptism Sunday, and this is something we're going to be doing in our second service here today. Baptism Sunday, of course, is one of the most exciting things that we get to do as a church, as 14 individuals are going to be baptized here this morning in a little bit, which is just so incredible. And the theme of today, of course, is made new. Being made new through the blood of Jesus. This is really a cornerstone, a pivotal piece of our belief in Jesus to to know that we have been made new in Christ. And what we're going to do today is we're going to explore this a little bit deeper. And really, you're the service that's getting the message here today. So I appreciate you being here, but we're going to maybe touch on some of these things in second service. But today being Baptism Sunday, we know that we're not doing baptism for the sake of doing baptism. We're not doing it because it's an additional extra, something we do a few times a year, but we are celebrating the reality that this act of baptism is the representation and the reminder that we have been made new in Christ. And I'm going to just read this verse. I'm sure you've never heard it before uh, in this church. 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is a new one for us. All right, so we're going to just blow off the dust. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now, I say that jokingly because I think we quote this verse just about every single Sunday, right? But it's for good reason, because it speaks to our new nature. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I need a reminder about my new nature. Sometimes I need a reminder of who I am in Christ because the world and, and life and all the other things that we go through very often, it seems to indicate that nothing has changed, that, that I'm kind of new but still mostly old. But we are a new creation in Christ. And that is true whether or not we experience troubles and circumstances in, in our real life that seems to indicate something else. And when I want to, I want to look at this verse today because there's something specific that I want us to see, and we're going to cover a lot of scripture here today. So I hope you brought your Bibles. Some of them are going to be on the screen. Some of them are not going to be. So I don't know if you want to get your devices ready. But this verse, Second Corinthians five seventeen, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. What does this word "new" really mean? What does it really mean when Paul writes these words to the Corinthians? This word new in the Greek means, and I think we have the definition here on the screen, it means new in quality, innovation, fresh in development or opportunity, because there hasn't been anything found exactly like this before. Isn't it cool to see the definition of this word? Some of us. We're like five minutes into this message, guys. I can't, I can't lose you so quickly, all right? New. What does this word new mean for us? New in quality, new innovation, new opportunity, never before seen. 
When we have been made new in Christ, it doesn't just mean that like things look a little bit different or things feel a little bit different. When we have been made new in Christ, it's because we have been made into the reality of Jesus. But as he flows through our lives, what is produced is something that the world has never before seen. That's exciting to me. We know we have purpose. We know we have identity in Christ, but sometimes we cut ourselves and sell ourselves short. But what God is saying is that when you are new in Christ, there is something that comes out of your life. And when it comes out of your life, it looks different. It looks new. It brings innovation. It brings answers. It brings a new reality because of who Jesus is living inside of you. This is the reality of being new in Christ. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I can use some new in my life. I can use some new in some of the situations that I go through. I can go, I can go for something new in some of the, the circumstances that I face. But we have already been made new in Christ. But it's not just for us. Because this new reality is not just for us to live in a new way as Christians, but what about the world that we live in? What about the people that we experience and we interact with on a daily basis? I would say they need something new as well. Okay. I think we got an extra hour last night. Yes? Okay. Just, just checking. When we have been made new in Christ, I have to tell you, we have not been refurbished in Christ. Okay? We, we have been made new in Christ. I, I don't know if this has happened to you. I'm pretty sure that it has. But what it, have you had a product before and it breaks and instantly you're like, oh, I wonder what the return policy is on this thing. I wonder if I'm inside my like return window on Amazon. Am I within the 30 days or the 60 days? Okay, good. I can send it back. And when we send it back, what are we hoping for? New. Like, maybe we want uh, an upgraded model. That would be really cool. But sometimes we would just settle for new. And sometimes we would just settle for not broken. I've had this product. I send it in. I want them to send me a new one. Not a refurbished one, but a new one. It, it could be the same color. It could be the same shape, size. But it just needs to work. It just needs to not be broken. That's what our expectation is. And sometimes, I think that's how we look at our new life in Christ. I want to exchange what was, and, and I don't need it to be, like, amazing. I just need it to not be broken. Like, I, I just need it to not smell the same way that it used to. I, I just need it to, be, to look a little bit better than it did before. I, I just want it to be okay now. But that's not what Christ offers us. Christ doesn't offer us an exchange that's like just okay. Like, okay, you used to be really broken. Now you're much less broken, so life is going to be better. That's not what this word means. It means new, new innovation, new quality, new opportunity, never before seen. It means that we get to live life with a new reality. Now, the thing is, we're still, we're still us, right? We still look the same. We still have, may have, we still may have, I want to say this, may have some of the same old aches and pains that we had before, right? But we're believing for more. There are still challenges in our life. But in our lives, BC, before Christ, the version of you that you knew, it ran on a different operating system. 
you might look the same, you might feel the same in certain ways, but there has been a change that has been made in your operating system. You used to run on like Windows 95. I'm trying to see how many young people we have that are like, what's Windows 95? You, you used to run on like dial-up, okay, with all like the weird noises and like sitting there and waiting, attempt one, attempt two, attempt three. This is what life used to feel. And sometimes we still think that's life and that's not life anymore because we've been made new in Christ. We have a new operating system. The old operating system had a virus in it, okay? It it was not working. it, It may have functioned to a partial rate of success, but there was a virus inside of it that did not allow it to live up to what it was created to do. That is what used to be. That, that was our old reality. But I'm going to just say this about a million times today. We have been made new. We've been made new in Christ. We have been transformed. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, one of my other very favorite verses. Paul says that we are no longer to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our mind, that by testing we may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This word transformed is, is right up there with made new. It's, it's an incredible word. And it's actually the word that we read about in Matthew 17, where Jesus goes with uh, Peter and James and John to the top of the mountain, And it says that the glory of God comes and transforms Jesus so that his face shines like the sun. That as he's on the mountain, that he is actually changed. The glory of God flows through him so that it looks as though his clothes, it says actually that they are whiter than could ever be bleached, that his face shines like the sun. This is the word transformed. And this is the same word that Paul uses to say we should be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Once again, this is not partial upgrade. This is not like, okay, you're a little better than you were before. This is transformed. It's the word for metamorphosis. It is changing form in keeping with inner reality, properly being transformed after being with, in this case, Jesus, and being transfigured. Our inner reality is renewed, meaning that we are being transformed into the new reality of who and not just jesus but the resurrected jesus not just christ but the resurrected christ i think we're processing here this morning okay we're processing that's good What this means is that we are not just updated, improved upon, or better than before, but in Christ we are made new. Sometimes, though, it's really hard to wrap our minds around this. It's hard to receive this. It's hard to rectify it because of a reality that we feel or sense or face in the world around us. But this is a question that I have. How is it that we are able to receive the miracle of salvation where we were actually given the ability to to be transformed by the blood of Jesus so that for eternity we will spend eternity with him in heaven? How can we receive that miracle 
And why is it so much, I want to say easier, because sometimes that takes a little while to wrap our mind around as well, but why are we so much more likely and willing to receive that reality than we are the reality that we've been made new? Have you recognized that? We can't really wrap our mind around either truth, but for some reason we, we receive the salvation a little bit easier because it just seems like, and, and this is my understanding of it, that maybe we realize that in salvation there's nothing we could ever do about it, that we could never pay the price, that we could never give our lives and be able to be seen as the holy, righteous sacrifice that Jesus was. And because of that, we recognize that it's fully out of our control So we have to receive it. But when it comes to this reality of being made new, for some reason we think that it is solely based off of our ability to do in order to receive. This is the difference, right? Salvation's like, I couldn't do this on my own, so Jesus had to. But being made new feels like, well, I've got to do better. I've got to make this work. I have to be the one that does the thing that makes me feel like I have been transformed, that I have been brought into a new reality. One is based on Jesus, and the other one, unfortunately, is based on us, in our perception. We believe that it requires us to do it. And yes, we do have a part in both. We have to receive what Jesus has done. We have to receive the finished work of Jesus. But we cannot stop at salvation without understanding that it actually impacts the whole of my life, the whole of my reality, all of who I am. It's not just a partial salvation. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. I want you to take out your Bibles. We're not going to put this one on the screen here today. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This is important. Everybody got it? Some of us got it? Guys, I know we have cell phones. Cell phones have Bible apps. You guys are giving me a hard time today. It's all right. We're not going to stop. Galatians 3, verses 1 through 5. Oh, foolish Galatians. Is that the way you want to hear Paul speaking to you? Oh, foolish Galatians. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? What is Paul asking here? Did you do it on your own or did you do it through the Spirit? Was it based off your own ability that you started in this place of salvation and now you think you're just going to continue to do it by your own works? Or was it by the Spirit that you received salvation and now through the Spirit you are called to carry on and to walk out your salvation? 
Paul's asking them this question, but he's not being sensitive in it. He's not just saying, hey guys, I think you just need to to do a little bit better, believe a little bit harder, and and it's all going to be okay. He says, foolish Galatians, what are you guys doing? Did you think that you could start in the Spirit and just try to figure it out in the flesh? That's not the reality of what Jesus has done for us. He goes on to say that the righteous will live by faith. Faith in who? Faith in the Son of God. Faith in Jesus Christ. This is the source of our new reality. This is the source of being made new. It's faith in Jesus. So the question today is on Baptism Sunday, where does baptism come in all of this? What part does baptism play in this reality, in this new understanding? Why is it that when Jesus started his ministry that God called him to be baptized by John? When John was like, no way, I'm not baptizing you, you're the Messiah, you come baptize me. No, Jesus was baptized by John, and we know that the dove descends from heaven, they hear the voice from heaven, right? This is, this is marked by God as this is the moment that I, I have called Jesus to step into to begin his ministry. What about in the very end when Jesus gives the Great Commission in Matthew 28? What does he call them to do? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, No, sorry, that's Acts chapter 2. He says to be baptized, to make disciples, right? To go out into all the world and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then Peter in Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why is this so significant today? It's because... What I want us to see about baptism in many ways is that baptism becomes a new starting point in our lives. That baptism is a recognition that what was old has now passed away and that through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection, all things have been made new. It's the starting point because it's the starting point of the reality in our lives that we recognize that through what he did, I get to live as if I've been made new because I have. Baptism is significant for many reasons, but it's because of the fact, and this is a quote that I love, it's by a prophet named Graham Cook. He says, the starting point determines the outcome in our lives. The starting point determines the outcome. What did Paul say? You started in the spirit and now you're trying to end in the flesh. It doesn't work that way. The starting point is what determines the outcome. So the starting point in our journey with God, in in this understanding that we've been made new, it has to be from a place of the finished work of Jesus instead of working for a work that is yet to be done. It has to be from a reality that I have been given something in Christ that that is my starting point. And now when I start in that place from victory, not for victory, that every decision I make from here on out is now with this new reality in mind. Otherwise, what we will do is we will start back here again in the broken nature, trying to earn our way to this starting point so that then we can walk in the new reality. 
But we spend a whole lot of time on this side of the cross, pre-cross, trying to figure it all out, trying to make it all better so that we can walk in the new reality of what Jesus has done for us. But this starting point in the flesh is only going to produce more of what? Flesh. But if I start in the Spirit recognizing that I am a new creation, that I have been made new in Jesus, if I start here, what comes out of my life? What comes out of my life when I start in the Spirit? More Spirit. Does it mean that I am perfect at this moment on the outside? Does it mean I don't experience challenges in my life? Does it mean that I have no sin of any kind and that I'm just walking on clouds? No. But I have a new reality of what Jesus has done for me. And it's from that place that I experience the freedom and the power to be able to walk according to His Spirit at work inside of me instead of my own ability, my own flesh, and my own strength. The starting point matters. And so this baptismal tank, right? This is the reality. This is the recognition of the reality that I have in Jesus. So now when I move forward, it's not out of my own strength and ability. It's out of his ability. It's what, what he has already done for me. The starting point matters so much. So when we get to Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, it talks even more about what this reality means. Paul says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Let this sink in for a moment. Like, let, let, we, we read the Bible too fast. We read through these verses too quickly. Do you not realize that those of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? This is an incredible statement. Being baptized into the death of Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God. The one who lived a perfect life. The one who walked this very earth the one who was betrayed, the one who was beaten, broken, humiliated, stripped naked, he who was suffered and bruised, who was whipped, who was placed on a cross and died for our sins. That Jesus and that death is what we have been baptized into. Do we recognize the significance of what that means? Do we realize what that means, that we have been baptized into something that we could never, ever do on our own? We have never been qualified to do it. We have never lived without sin so that we could walk to the cross and give ourselves as atonement. We couldn't do it. But Jesus did it. And we have been baptized into his death. So when we get into the baptismal tank, the relatively warm, relatively clean pretty clean it's got a heater in it too it's it's getting up there that when we get into this tank that when we go into the water that we understand the reality that we are being submerged into the crucifixion of jesus that we are being placed in the water and we go under the water it's the representation of the death of jesus that that is what we are experiencing here through jesus 
It, it, that's, it's an incredible truth. It's an incredible reality. And if you haven't been baptized yet, I think we need to have a sign-up sheet on the way out here today. We have been baptized into the death of Jesus. And, and this is why also we believe so strongly in baptism by immersion. Going into the water. Going fully into the water to be submerged, to be, to be wrapped around with the water, to understand the fullness and the complete work of Jesus. That this wasn't a little partial thing. That this, this isn't just a few drops of salvation. That this is an immersion into the reality of who we are in Christ Jesus. We have been immersed into his death. And we've been brought into his resurrection. The thing is that sometimes our lives resemble partial death, partial payment, and a few drops instead of the full reality of what Jesus has done. It would be like if we took our car that was broken and we sent it to the mechanic and we get it back and the windshield's still broken, the tires are still bald. The brakes still make noise. The exhaust is still loud. It's barely running. It's making funny sounds. But when we get it back, it's got a new air freshener in it. I'm like, well, at least I smell better in my misery. This is not a partial transformation. It's not a partial forgiveness. This is immersion into the death of Jesus. And, and when we only understand it as just a partial thing, then, then our life kind of looks like this where we're... Sorry, Mom. Where because all we've received is a little bit, this is all we can, all we can give. I bet I can reach some people with this thing. This is, this is what we got. But I just want to show a quick video because I was contemplating doing this in, in real life, but I think that this might be a better way of putting it. it. It's not this. Can we put that video up real quick? All right. This this is what it's supposed to look like when we understand the reality of who we are in Jesus, right? This this is not enough, okay? This We are supposed to operate in the fullness of what Jesus has done for us by recognizing that this is a complete work, that this is an amazing thing. And yes, there is sanctification that is taking place in the outer reality, the outer life, in my outer body. I'm not making every decision perfect, but I am living my life with the understanding of who I now am in the Spirit, which means I recognize that I have authority over that which is old. It's who I now am in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 6 verse 4. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. We were not just baptized into his death, but when we come out of the water, we've been baptized into his resurrection, into the new life that we now have in Jesus. How incredible is our God? How incredible is Jesus? How incredible is this miracle of what we now experience in Him? 
Romans chapter 11, verse 33 says, Oh, how great are God's riches in wisdom and knowledge. How impossible is it for us to understand His decisions and His ways. It's impossible for us to get it on our own, but we are not called to understand every facet of it. I feel like I need to say that maybe a few times here today. We do not need to understand it fully in order to receive it. We don't need to make sense of every aspect of this reality. There are some things that we simply will not know until we stand before Jesus. But it is not about understanding because understanding is the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil. But, but receiving is the act of going to the tree of life and receiving what he's already done. I know it's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. To think about a God who loved us so much that in our sin and in our shortcomings and in our failures sent a Savior to this earth to give us new life. I know it's hard to understand the idea of Jesus taking residence inside of our heart, giving us this gift of new life. But the thing is, if we try to wrap our minds around it in order to receive it, we are always going to come up short. I don't know about you, but I have friends that I've grown up with that are just like, it just doesn't make sense. I just, I just can't wrap my mind around it. I just don't get it. And I'm like, can you stop trying to get it for a second and start receiving what Jesus has already done for you? But this, this is not a new problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. This is out of the message translation. The unspiritual self, just as it is by nature, can't receive the gifts of God's Spirit. In our carnal minds, we cannot receive what the Spirit is doing. There is no capacity for them. They seem like so much silliness. Spirit can only be known by Spirit. God's Spirit and our spirits in open communion with one another. Spiritually alive, we have access to everything God's Spirit is doing and can't be judged by unspiritual critics. Isaiah asked the question, is there anyone around who knows God's Spirit, anyone who knows what He is doing? It has been answered Christ knows, and we have Christ's Spirit living inside of us. I think this is a word for some of you in this room here today. Stop trying to get it. Stop trying to get it up here. Because it's not going to work. It's not going to work to try to comprehend fully what a God that is bigger than anything we could ever imagine... A God is greater and more holy and more perfect than we could ever perceive. That we would try to understand every part of Him is futile. But yet we have been given the ability through His Spirit living inside of us to receive what He is saying. To receive what He has done. But if we continue to try to do it in our own natural minds, I'm not saying disregard your mind. I'm not saying don't think things through. I'm not saying totally put it on the shelf. But I'm saying that the starting point has to be the Spirit. That when the Spirit dictates our thoughts, then our mind steps into the proper alignment and the reality of how it was meant to function. But too often we put our mind first, then our spirit, and then our body. Or sometimes our mind, then our body, then our spirit. But that is not the proper order. It's the Spirit of God. 
that speaks to us, that transforms us by the renewal of our minds so that we can understand to a greater degree through the Spirit what we've been called to do so that we can receive what He has done for us. But it doesn't happen through our natural ability to understand. And, and for some people, that's a big roadblock. That's a big stumbling block because you're smart. And I appreciate how smart you are. But don't think you're smarter than God. Seriously. Sometimes it may be an advantage to not always be as smart. I haven't really thought that one through though. I don't know what that says about me. Spirit of God, no matter who you are, Spirit of God in the ascended position. Okay? We have Christ's Spirit because what we are talking about here today is not just a physical baptism, but a spiritual baptism. The Holy Spirit coming to dwell within us. The ability to connect with the very Spirit of God, as it says in Romans 8. Once again, we should just really let that truth just sit here for a moment. The Spirit of God living inside of us, the Spirit of God who has been present before the foundations of the world, who was present in the moment of creation, that was present when our life was spoke into being. The Spirit of God that rose Christ from the dead, it lives inside of us. He lives inside of us. The same Spirit that came down on the day of Pentecost and as if tongues of fire came upon them and they spoke in unknown tongues. This is the same Holy Spirit that is available to each one of us through Jesus. And when we do, we have to realize that we are different. We have been made new. Can you turn to your neighbor and say, you're different? Turn back to them and say, yes, I am, and so are you. This is not our life anymore. Wait, I got to get somebody. This is not who we are anymore. We are different now. We are different in Christ Jesus. We didn't just take our car to the garage and get something back that's partially fixed and just smells a little bit better. I think we got a Ferrari out of the deal. I think we got an upgrade out of the deal. But here's the thing. Even when we get it, sometimes we're like, "Ah, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve the Ferrari. And you're right, you don't. I don't deserve the new. You're right, you don't. I don't know how to drive. It's okay. He's going to show you. But don't leave it in the garage. Don't leave it tucked away because you don't think that it's yours. Come to the reality that you have been made new in Jesus. Don't keep fighting the same battles that you've always fought before because you think this is the way it's always going to be because it makes sense to your mind. Step into the new reality of Jesus Christ, His Spirit living inside of us, giving us the solutions and the strategies to deal with what was so that we can walk into the new reality of what is so that we can be different for the world around us so that we can bring answers to the world around us, so that we don't just look and recognize problems, but we're bringing solutions and opportunity and new realities to people that we love that have been stuck in places of dysfunction and hurt and pain. But recognize we have been made new in Christ Jesus. We have to live in this resurrected lifestyle of Jesus. 
We have to live like we've been forgiven and set free with the ability to choose not to gratify the lusts of the flesh and that what was, but to choose the Spirit of God. We need to live like powerful people. To not bend our knee to every feeling, every thought, every emotion, and every lie. To remember, to understand, or at least to receive that we have been forgiven. To choose to forgive those who have hurt us, wronged us, those who do not deserve it, including ourselves, including you. Choosing to walk in the forgiveness that Jesus has, not just for the people around you, but for you yourself. To receive what Christ has done, not just for others, not just the hope of glory for the world around you, but the hope for your life. To recognize that there are some places in your life that you've been holding on to, that you've been trapped back here, and Jesus is saying, I am giving you the opportunity to step into a new reality, a new reality for what it means for you to be a son or a daughter of God, forgiven, redeemed, and transformed by the blood of Jesus. We cannot recognize to have a thought about ourselves that God doesn't have of us. Bill Johnson says that, and I love that quote. So often we hear the saying that hurt people hurt people, right? But what happens when it's us, when we are the ones who are hurt and we don't realize it? What happens when we, when we don't realize that we've, we've been forgiven, but we don't live like it? What comes out of our life? More hurt, more flesh, more pain, more of the same. But we need to know what it is to live like God has called us to live, which is people who have been healed. Not out of the overflow of pain and hurt and brokenness, but out of the new reality of who we are in Christ Jesus.